0: Good afternoon, everybody, and uh, welcome again to our Sunday service online. We're honored that we're able to be together despite the fact that we're far apart physically. Uh, I wanted to just take a few moments and just share a story that you probably all are familiar with. And I'm going to be focusing today on the life of one of the grandsons of Abraham, one of the sons of Israel, or Jacob, who was renamed Israel. And in this context, my goal is that we would understand and grasp the depth of God's love, protection, and provision, not only in Joseph's life, but in each one of our lives. So let's just take a minute and bow our heads and ask the Lord to speak to us through his scripture today. Father God, we want to thank you for your living word Your word that is not just letters on a piece of paper or on a parchment somewhere back in history, but it is alive. Your word is living. Your word penetrates to separate spirit from soul. It separates truth from lies. It sets us on a path that we can understand and walk in relationship with you. So we come to your word today. And we ask that you open our hearts. We bring you our hearts and we lay them bare before you. And we say, Lord, through the scriptures, through my words, shift our hearts, align us with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me one moment. Let me just move the table over here so I can continue. we've all heard the story of Joseph we've seen the Disney film Prince of Egypt uh, that was Joseph or Moses I get confused now uh, I think that was Moses but uh, in the midst of all of this we know many many different stories uh, about Joseph we know that he was a dreamer so let me just take a few minutes and sort of paint a picture of this young man Joseph was born To Jacob, Jacob was Isaac's son, Abraham's son. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's the father, grandfather, great-grandfather. So Joseph was one of those boys who was so special to his father that he loved him, the Bible says, more than all the others because he was from his favorite wife, now, in our culture today, that probably would be an issue for many of us. How can Jacob have so many wives? Well, apparently in that day and age, that was the norm, and uh, that was accepted. And God didn't bat an eye on it at that time. He just let people continue doing what they're doing. But he's given us a better understanding in this day of what marriage is about. But in that time, Jacob had this wife called Rachel, whom he loved. And for many years she couldn't have children, but finally she has a child, and that child is Joseph, and Jacob loves him more than all the others. And in the process, he gives him this beautiful multicolored coat. And all the other brothers, he had ten other older brothers, uh, they didn't like him. And uh, they were jealous of him. And not only that, but Joseph was a bit of a dreamer. And by a bit of a dreamer, I mean literally. He would have dreams. And uh, he had so many dreams that I guess maybe he started to log them because these dreams are recorded in scripture for us and we can reference them. We can see those dreams, read them. Some of them are pretty wacky. Some of them are setting him up, as it were, like if you hear someone tell you a dream, and in this dream they tell you that uh they are so much stronger than you, and you're their brother and your older their older brother, uh, and they are you know, victorious and you are defeated, and all these things, jealousies develop in the family, and that's exactly what happened with Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was uh set up, as it were, to be disliked by his brothers, to be envied by his brothers, that the brothers would be jealous of him. So in the midst of all of that, the brothers who were jealous decided to do something about it. They decided that they were going to kill him. But in the midst of their conversation, one of them says, no guys, that's not, that's not nice. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a, in a well and hope he dies. So at least his blood is not on our hands. Or something to that effect. I mean, they, that's warped. That's really warped. So they got rid of Joseph and it so happened that a, a band of merchants traveling heard his cry in the, the well. They picked him up and they took him to Egypt and they sold him off there. And he lived in Egypt as a servant or a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar was one of the rich men in the, uh, in the courts of uh, Egypt. And the references to what I'm sharing with you are in the last 14 or so chapters of Genesis. And you can read the story if you have some time this week. And you will be so blessed and encouraged by the different aspects of the story. Some of it is really weird uh, because it is raw in the humanity of it. And it doesn't, uh, paint these individuals in any better light than you're in my lives. So, Joseph is now in Egypt. He suffers and he is, uh, he's a young man, he's strong, he's beautiful, he's handsome. Potiphar's wife gets attracted to him and wants to have relationships with him. And she tries to seduce him. And, uh, she grabs him to, into her bedroom. So he just sheds off his shirt and runs off and she accuses him of him pushing himself onto her, to her husband, who has authority and ends up putting Joseph in jail. Joseph is in jail right now. In the midst of all of this, Joseph's life is not what it seemed like it was going to be when he was dreaming those dreams. Things were looking so much different. In the dreams, he saw that he was a shining... Star. Brighter than all his brothers. But he's nowhere near that. He's in the pits. He's in a jail. In the jail, he becomes popular. He finds God's favor with him. And in the midst of all of that, he knows that the things that are happening in his life aren't just his own actions, but they're the result of God actively working in his life. And he says that many times in these passages. And he continues and he continues and then he interprets the dream of a couple of other prisoners. And one of them, in one dream, gets liberated and restored to place of power in Pharaoh's courts and the other gets killed. And he tells the interpreter, he tells the two that he interprets the dream for, especially the baker that gets back, or the, uh, the, the guy who gets back up to the Pharaoh's courts, he tells them that when you're back in court, remember me to Pharaoh. That have been good to you and have been good to the prisoners. He forgets. He totally forgets. He doesn't say anything to Pharaoh. But the passage that I want to focus on today is in chapter 45. But before I get to that, look what happened in chapter 41. In chapter 41, Joseph is all of a sudden plucked out of the jail and restored back to the position within Pharaoh's court that he never had but all of a sudden he becomes an elevated advisor to Pharaoh, second in command to Pharaoh because of the way he had wisdom to interpret the dream and now Pharaoh entrusts the bulk of Egypt's command to Joseph Pharaoh had a dream that there were seven fat cows and seven lean cows and the seven fat cows represented seven years of plenty and the seven lean cows represented seven years of famine. So in the midst of that, he has no understanding what that is means. He calls all his advisors and no one can interpret the dream. But that little dreamer boy from Canaan, Jacob's son Joseph, who had been trained by God in dreams, had been trained by God to interpret dreams. he didn't know how to interpret them when he was younger. He made a lot of foolish mistakes in interpretation and application. And he boasted about it to his brothers to the point that they hated him enough to want him dead. So for that whole period after they got rid of him, Joseph's father, Jacob, is in mourning. Egypt has seven fat years. And Joseph has wisdom by God in terms of revelation on the interpretation of the dream. And he stockpiles grain... He sets up silos to put grain in those silos. Last week we saw the disaster that happened at the port in Beirut. And we saw the silos of grain that were right there next to that warehouse where the explosion took place. We saw that silo come down. And the bulk of the grain of Lebanon disappear in the explosion. Imagine that. For seven years they've been storehousing, in Egypt, storehousing grain. And now the famine starts, and we come to the place that there's a family of 11 kids, married, adult kids, with their own families. A grandfather now, Jacob, who is still in mourning after some 20 years of having lost his son, The other sons told Jacob that the favorite son, Joseph, actually died. And they took back the coat and gave it to the father, saying, Your son has died. And for these 20 plus years, Jacob remains in mourning. As as a matter of fact, the scripture says that he told him, No, I will not rejoice. I will remain in mourning until I go back to the grave to Joseph. I wonder in our lives... If there are any relationships, any circumstances that have brought us a grief in our heart that we remain in grief over, other areas may be fine. Maybe we can cover it up. But there's something in our lives that has broken. We've lost a Joseph somehow, our favorite thing, whatever that was, a dream, a hope, An ambition, a relationship that we've lost, and there's a grief in our hearts that remains. Like Joseph, like Jacob. The flip side may be true. In your life, you may have been betrayed by your brothers, you may have been betrayed by your closest friends. And like Joseph, you've been set aside they've lied about you, they've cheated about you, they've said wrong things about you, they've told other people that you're dead. I'm not talking physically, I'm talking about worth-wise. Where you've been walking like Joseph, you've ended up at the bottom of the barrel, sold off in a jail of some sort, whether physical or figurative. And in the midst of all of that, You see the hand of God periodically. And you see how God is shaping your life and moving it. The beauty about Joseph's life is he's one of those characters in the Bible that there isn't much written about his sinfulness. Actually, there's nothing written about his sinfulness. You have to read it between the lines. But he continues in walking with God and listening to God and understanding where God is taking him and he comes to the place where he has received inner healing he was in the jail but he was praising God he was in the jail but whenever one of the others would have a problem he would tell them about the goodness of God and how God is going to carry them and how when he interpreted the dream to Pharaoh he tells him that God is going to give you the interpretation and not me and after he's elevated now to second in command in Egypt and he gets married to the priest's daughter, the high priest of Egypt, Pharaoh arranges this wedding and he gets married to the high priest of Egypt's daughter. And he has two sons with her. And the names of these two sons are so significant. Names are so significant in the book of Genesis and the whole Bible. But in the book of Genesis, there's some beauty and all of the names, if you spend time to research, to dig in. So, Joseph has married now, and he has these two sons, and the first one he calls Manasseh. And the second he calls Ephraim. The first one he calls Manasseh, because after all of these years, almost 20 plus years, that he has suffered, and he has stayed away from his family, he has not seen his father, his mother, his brothers, no one from his family, he has not seen. But yet he remains hopeful in what God is doing in his life. And he names his son Manasseh, because the word Manasseh means the one who brings forgetfulness. The one who brings erasing of memory. The one who brings you a restoration of your memory. The one who makes you forget So Manasseh, all of a sudden, Joseph, who has lost his entire family, he wasn't from a small family. He was the 11th of 12 kids. He knew what it meant to have older brothers and older sisters. They're not even counted in the 11 sons. He knew what it was like to have a father who cared. He knew what it was like to have ample opportunity to do all that you want. His father was rich. He gave him a nice beautiful coat. In the midst of having lost all of that, he doesn't grow bitter because he's opened his heart to God to bring healing. To the point that he can now say, I know the one who makes me forget. I know the one who allows me to no longer remember. Because that is his own nature. The God who Joseph served, his own nature, he promises us that I will remember your sin no more. I will cast it out from my memory as far as the east is from the west. It is that God who worked in Joseph's life to bring him to the point that he can say, my son is one who actually testifies to me of the one who makes me forget. You know, we, a lot of times, when we get hurt, We use words like, I forgive, but I can't forget. But Manasseh was a reminder to us that not only can you forgive, but also remember no more. And then his second son he calls Ephraim. Ephraim, again, is a very rich name. Ephraim means a double heap. A double portion. A double serving. He lost his family. He was all alone. He now has two sons. He calls the first, the one who makes me forget. He calls the second a double portion. Because now he has received a double portion of relationship. A double portion of family. It's not just that he's married, but he's got the kids now to restore family to him. And it's in the midst of this now that today's focus of the story begins in Genesis chapter 45. And we read about not only the forgetfulness, not only the double heap, but the restoration of a broken family. It starts off in Genesis 45 by telling us that in that day, there was a famine in the land, as we know, because of the seven lean years. And in the midst of all of that, these sons of Joseph, of Jacob had come into Egypt in the earlier chapter, before we come to chapter 45. They had come to Egypt. They had wanted to buy grain. And Joseph recognized them. Joseph, all of a sudden, recognizes his older brothers. And he starts spinning a story to try to put them into a situation where now they can begin to open their heart to him. He puts them in a corner. By accusing them of being spies from another land. He knows who they are. He knows they're not spies. So now they begin to tell the story. So it's as though he's pulling words from their mouth. And they're telling him, that no, 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 we're not spies. As a matter of fact, we're all brothers. And we have our brother back home. We're going to, you know, our brother back home. And he says, your brother back home. I want your brother to come here. So they know that he is the brother who is the younger brother of Joseph, their half-brother, Rachel's second son. They know that he is so special to Jacob, and Jacob already lost the firstborn of his loved wife, Rachel, and they, they don't know how they're going to bring him back. So they realize that there's nothing they can do. He holds one of the brothers hostage, as it were, and he sends the other nine back, And he says, you guys go back and bring me Benjamin. So they go back. Jacob is so grieved that the second brother now is in Egypt as a hostage. And he says, there's no way I'm going to send Benjamin. But the famine gets worse and worse. And before you know it, they're too hungry. He says, okay. Send Benjamin. So Benjamin goes, and when he sees Benjamin, this is where the story now is unfolding. Chapter 45. Joseph sees Benjamin, he recognizes who he is, and he wants to just pour out his love on him. He wants to hug his younger brother, he wants to hug his other brothers. He has worked, God has worked so much in his life that he has been restored. Manasseh has been real in Joseph's life. Ephraim has been real in Joseph's life. Not only does he have his own family, his nuclear family with his wife and two boys, but now his second, his original family is coming back and he's getting a double heap portion of family. And you read the story. Then Joseph could no longer uh, hold, control himself before all those who stood by him and he cried out, Send everybody away. He sends everybody out of the room. And he starts weeping loudly. And he says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? As the story unfolds, we see the reality of what God had done in Joseph's life. If you read the chapter, there's multiple times. They're afraid of him because of his position. They weren't afraid of him when he was just a dreamer boy. But now they're afraid of him because of his position in Egypt and they're afraid of what he can do to them. But repeatedly he tells them, what you have done, God has used for good. I don't blame you anymore. I don't condemn you anymore. I don't judge you anymore. Because he believes in the God who can restore. Because he believes in the God who can make forget. The pain has been forgotten. I'm going to ask you a question. When do you think the pain was forgotten? Was it forgotten after he became second in command in Egypt? Or was it forgotten sooner? When I read the story, I'm convinced that his pain was forgotten as he realized who he was in the midst of the jail cell. As he realized his own brokenness, as he realized his own judgments, as he realized his own character and what God was doing with him, he realized he's not that much different from his brothers, and he realized, I cannot hold them any guiltier than I can hold myself. So he started to get grace from God. And in that mercy he realized what Jesus gave us as a parable about the man who had been forgiven but could not forgive. We find the same happening in Joseph's life. And God is working in his life and Joseph is realigning, step by step, step by step. He could not have come to power and then forgotten. Because power can cause us to do all kinds of crazy things. He had been broken before he could be lifted up and promoted to the place of power. Many of us have struggled with a lot of betrayal. Many of us have struggled with all kinds of relationships that have caused pain in our hearts. Whether personally, or as a family, or as a nation, we have gone through all kinds of things. But the moment comes where we have to be real with ourselves and with our God. And just like Joseph when we allow Him to reach into our hearts and show us who we really are and how much of His grace we need, then the healing process begins. Then the family can be restored. Then relationships can come into place. When we recognize our own sinfulness and we recognize our own need for God's mercy and forgiveness, then we can be receivers of forgiveness. We can be receivers of forgetfulness. And we can be receivers and givers of grace. And this is what the message that I feel that Joseph's life is giving to us today. Many of us have been walking broken for too long because of someone who has hurt us. We remain in that cage, in that bondage. It could be someone is that, that someone is God because we have blamed God for a situation in our lives. It could be that we have lost someone. But we haven't come to terms with it yet. But the Lord today wants to bring us to that place where we bring it to Him and He allows us and He becomes our manasseh. He becomes the one who helps us forget. He wants to wash over our memory banks. As a matter of fact, in 2004 I had received a word, the prophetic word, that changed the course of my life. And in that word buried in that word were these words. He is washing your memory banks. So my prayer today as you've been listening to me share these things is that the Lord, you would allow the Lord to come into your memory banks right now and cause a reset. Cause a washing away of the things that you have been holding you hostage for way too long. Joseph was in jail, but he was a free man. It was because he was a free man in jail that he was be able to be promoted to the place of authority in the courts of Pharaoh. It was because he was a free man in jail, and he attributed the goodness of God to his life, that when his brothers came, he can tell them these words, and he could tell them that whatever you have meant for evil... the Lord has meant for good. Read the story. Go through it in Genesis. It's a fun read. I tell you all the time, Genesis is my favorite book. But if you read the stories, just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you're reading them. Absorb the story and ask God to show you what is in the character of this person that can apply to my life. So let me pray with you. Father, we want to thank you for characters like Joseph, like Jacob, like Isaac, like Abraham. All of these men, Lord, and others, women and other children, Lord, are are beautiful examples of the reality of humanity that is in the Scripture. We see the beauty and the ugliness. We see the brokenness and the healing. And through it all, Lord, we see your finger touching lives bringing healing, bringing forgetfulness, bringing restoration, and bringing your peace in all situations. So Father, we thank you. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would wash over the memory banks of all of us who are now within the reach of my voice. That you would reset things that need to be reset. That you would cause us to be renewed, refreshed, and able to step into relationships all over again vulnerable, loving, trusting, and able. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll pass it to you, Rob.